This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Go with me to Nehemiah chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 1, and it says this. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies had heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I hadn't even set the doors in it yet, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me and said, come and let us meet together in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm and I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. Verse 9, let's skip down to verse 9. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and it won't get done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. As we've seen over the past few weeks, the enemy is relentless, in trying to stop the work of God in your life and in my life. And he tries to do whatever he can to come against us to thwart what God wants to do in the earth. It says here that not just four times, but five times Sambalot, who was the chief accuser and kind of the leader of the pack, if you will, the, the main person and main enemy of Nehemiah, was coming against them to stop Nehemiah from building the wall. And it says that he tried not four times, but five times to get Nehemiah to stop, to come down from the work, to get off the wall, and to meet him in the plains so that they could kill him, so that they could do harm to him. But what did Nehemiah do in response? He stood his ground. The title of my message tonight is simply this, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Today I want to wrap up this series and look at this third and final step of the way that we resist the work of the enemy in our life. In the battle that you and I are engaged in right now spiritually, I firmly believe that God wants you to be well-equipped and well-empowered to be able to stand your ground against the work of the enemy, especially when things become difficult, because they are. Times aren't always going to be rainbows and unicorns, you guys. There's going to come moments in your life, and most of you who have been following Jesus for a while now can attest to this. There are going to be moments, and perhaps many of them, where this is going to be tested, where your faith is going to be tested, where your ability to endure is going to be tested. Nehemiah stands his ground in chapter 4, and in chapter 5, and in chapter 6. He comes against the enemy's lies and accusations, and he arms the people to stand in the gaps with their weapon in hand and with their other hand on the work. We looked at this last week. He stands his ground, and he does so again here in chapter 6, when the whole plan of the enemy is to bring him or get him distracted with his eyes off of what God wants him to build so that he can kill him. Remember what Peter tells the church in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8-9. through 9. Let's read it together. Stay alert. Stay alert. In other words, don't fall asleep. Don't get distracted. Don't allow the enemy to pull you off what God wants you to do. You must watch out for your great enemy, the devil, because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Verse 9, stand your ground. 
Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Peter's writing this to the church because he knows that this is going to be tested. He knows that we are going to need to be encouraged from time to time. And we also see it again in what Paul says to the Ephesian church in chapter 6, verses 13 through 14. We looked at this a little bit last week, but here's what it says. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? Withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore. We see it three times. It's emphasized here that our goal and our job as believers is to stand. It's to stand firm. It's to withstand all of the attacks of the enemy. Both Peter and Paul are urging us through the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit to stand our ground, to stand our ground. So why do you think they do this? Why so much emphasis upon standing? Because I believe there's going to come a moment in your life, if it hasn't already happened, where you're going to want to lay down, where you're going to want to sit down, where you're going to want to give up, how do I know this? Because I experience this temptation all the time. To give up. To not fight the good fight of faith. Because why? It's tiring. Anybody ever get tired fighting the good fight of faith, standing your ground, opposing the work of the enemy? You get tired. Anybody ever train for a marathon or a physical event, some kind of race? Years ago, I, was, I had this crazy idea that I would train for a triathlon. My brother and I decided we were going to do this. I was in my early 30s at this point, and I spent every day doing a 20-mile bike ride, a seven-mile run, and a one-mile swim. And can I tell you, after months of training and doing that, I got tired. I got worn out, and I eventually gave up. After like six months of training, I'm like, I'm over this. Any of you like ever set out like an, I know it's still technically February, but any of you like start a new year's resolution and then after like six weeks, you're like, I'm over this. <laughs> yeah. You're like doing really good in the month of January. You're eating well. You're like, all right, this is my year. I'm going to shed those pounds, but get rid of that COVID weight. And then you get tired, right? And you start to give up. There are going to be moments in our lives where we're going to want to give up in our journey of following Jesus. Life's going to come at you from all sides. You're going to get busy. Parents, how many of you know life is demanding, especially when you got kids you got to take care of? Life's going to come at you from all sides and all of your disciplines and your habits and all that's going to seem real old real quick. But can I encourage you? My problem wasn't my lack of desire. It was my mindset toward it. It was my attitude toward it. What do I mean? My problem wasn't my doing. My problem was, was that I wasn't focused on doing in the way that was sustainable, in a way that was what the Bible calls steadfast, steadfast. Paul encourages the church here in Ephesians and all throughout the New Testament to change their attitude, to change their mindset and their mentality towards the things that they're going to have to learn to suffer through. Can I tell you this? None of us like to suffer because none of us like pain. But there are going to be moments where you've got to push through the pain and learn how to suffer and endure well. We don't like this. We don't enjoy the pain, but we've got to learn to push through it. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and what? Immovable. Be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not 
in vain. The Holy Spirit through Paul is urging us, church, to be steadfast and immovable. When you think about being steadfast and immovable, what typically comes to mind? Most of us tend to think strength. Can I tell you, in my training for this triathlon, my problem wasn't strength. My problem was endurance. My problem was that I didn't have enough endurance built up. So I got tired. My problem wasn't strength. It was endurance. Part of learning how to be steadfast and immovable is to be able to endure well. This is my working definition, but it's to endure well. It's to stand the test of time. Some of you older ones might remember, but back in, I think it was the 60s or late 70s, early 80s, there was this inventor in London who came up with this material called Starlight. Have you guys heard this story about Starlight? Maurice Ward was a ladies hairdresser, okay? So he, he worked at your local ladies salon and he was an amateur chemist who lived in Yorkshire, England. And in 1986, he invented a plastic coating that he called Starlight. You guys haven't heard this before? This is amazing. Demonstrated on BBC's Tomorrow's World in 1990, so four years later, Starlight was immediately recognized as a game-changing substance that scientists and military personnel had been dreaming of. Here it is. A material so heat-resistant that it could provide a shield from the heat of nuclear blasts. Up to 75 nuclear blasts. Being steadfast and immovable is a lot like starlight. It's being able to endure and withstand whatever's thrown at you. In this case, 75 nuclear blasts is pretty intense. And let's pray that things don't get nuclear in our world. Amen? Amen. Being steadfast and immovable is a lot like being like starlight in that you can throw heat at it. Come on, you can blow it up. You can come against it, but it's not going to budge. Why? Because it knows how to resist. It knows how to resist. And this is crucial in our desire to resist the work of the enemy, to come against and to stand our ground. We have to shift our mindset, though, from just being able to be strong to be able to endure well. This is why the writer of Hebrews in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us do what? Run with endurance the race that is set before us. Each and every one of us is called to run, and not just to run, but to run with endurance. My problem, once again, wasn't strength. It was endurance. We have to learn how to run our race with endurance, which means that our race is not a sprint, it's a marathon. For those of you that are older, you know this, right? Life's not going to end tomorrow. You've got to prepare yourself. You've got to be willing to endure all that life's going to throw at you. And the writer of Hebrews here points out that we need to lay aside every weight and all the sin which clings so closely because those are the things that are going to distract us from the work of God. Those things are going to pull us off the wall and get us out into the open where the enemy can hurt us and harm us. But we are called to be faithful. Come on, we are not of those that shrink back, but we are of those that press forward in what? In faith. That's what the writer of Hebrews goes on to say. So we run our race in faith, but we do so with endurance. We do so with endurance, meaning that we're willing to endure. We're willing to suffer what needs to be suffered and work through whatever pain is presented so that we can have the heart of a champion, 
so that we can finish the work that God's called us to be about so that we can run our race and win it, amen? So how do we do that? How do we become steadfast and immovable? I wanna give you four ways real quickly tonight that you can do this, that you can become steadfast and immovable and run your race to win. Well, number one, you've gotta start with your spiritual nutrition. How many of you know that you don't train for a triathlon or a marathon eating McDonald's? Garbage in, garbage out, right? No, you train for a race by first starting with your nutrition. Anybody that's ever worked with like a fitness coach or a life coach will tell you that you can get strong, you can run, but if you don't change your nutrition or your diet or what you're feeding on, it's not going to help you. What are you feeding on? Spiritually speaking, what are you feeding on? Are you consuming a good diet of scripture or is your spiritual diet consist of entertainment and Netflix binging and Come on, Hulu watching. How's your spiritual nutrition? What are you feeding on? What are you uh, setting your mind on? Don't expect to be able to withstand the enemy's attack if you're weak and anemic spiritually. I can't tell you how many times I pray for people only to have them leave and go feed on things that aren't very spiritually nutritious and for them to come back beaten up and they wonder why. That's not what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to become spiritually healthy. That's why we pray. That's why we fast. That's why we read the word. Come on. That's why we focus on things above and set our minds on Christ Jesus. These are all great ways that we can improve our spiritual nutrition. Number two, you got to focus on small steps, not giant leaps. For some of us, we get discouraged in our journey, whether it's in starting a new habit or a new discipline because we try to do too much too soon. So if you want to learn to fast, don't start with a 21-day fast. I don't recommend it. Start with three days or start with one day. If three days seems way too much, start with one day. Start with one meal. Start there with a small step and watch how God will help you grow in that. If you haven't tithed and you want to learn how to become a tither and you want God's blessings to flow into your life, don't try to start with 10%. Start with 5%, start with 6% and work your way towards being faithful to God with the whole 10%. But whatever it is that you've set your mind to do, start small and watch how God will reward your diligence and help you grow your faith and develop by taking small steps, not leaps. Number three, you gotta set the right boundaries. This is hard for some of us that are people pleasers. Because we don't like to say no. Any of you guys remember that movie, Yes Man, with Jim Carrey? The premise of the movie, Yes Man, was that he had to say yes to every opportunity that came his way. Now, in the beginning, it starts off pretty good because he's doing some new things and, and life's going pretty good. But after a while, things start to take a quick left turn because he starts saying yes to things and to people that he probably should have learned how to say no to. And it causes havoc in his relationship and he has to figure out what that balance looks like. I believe that if we're constantly living to please other people and we're constantly giving yes to others, then we're also saying no to God or we're saying no to people that need our yes. So what are you saying yes to and what are you saying no to? Learning how to say no is actually good. It's learning how to set the right boundaries and set the right boundaries for our lives. Now, if you're saying no just because you're lazy, that ain't an excuse, all right? So here's a good way to test it. If you're saying no to God so you can say yes to somebody else, your priorities might be out of whack. 
Husbands, if you're saying no to your wife so you can go hang out with your buddies on the weekend, your priorities might be out of whack. Parents, if you're saying no to your kids because you are just tired, come on, your priorities might be out of whack. We need to say yes to the people that matter most and especially to God and the work of his church. Number four, and finally, don't give up. Don't give up. Now, this might seem a little redundant after everything we've said, but I think there's a big difference between a timeout and game over. Some of us, we face spiritual battles or we go through things in life and all we actually really need is just a quick timeout. Like, you know what a timeout is? When I played football, it was stepping off the field, getting some water, catching my breath, and then getting back into the game. But for some of you, you've said, okay, God, I need a quick timeout, and then you stayed on the sidelines. And maybe you're watching this online or you're listening to this, and this is right where you are today, where your timeout turned into a game over, where you just turned off the power, and you're like, I'm going to lay down because life is too hard. That's not what the Lord wants for us. He doesn't want us to give up. Sometimes we just need a refresher. For many of you that come to this church, when you first get in here, we want you to be healed and restored and refreshed and renewed before you get back into serving because we believe that it's important for your ability to stand your ground and run the race that God's called you to run. God wants us in the game. He wants us to be fully equipped, fully active in what he's doing in the earth. Romans 5, chapter, or verse three through five says this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces what? Endurance. And endurance produces what? Character. And character produces what? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. You guys, this is his heartbeat for you and for me and for those watching and listening online that we wouldn't give up. Times are gonna get difficult. Gas might get expensive. Come on, we might face things in our life that are gonna be challenging, but we can't give up. We can't stop praying. We can't stop speaking life. We can't stop the work of God. We have to continue to advance. We have to continue to move. We gotta keep believing and standing our ground in faith, amen? And there's gonna be times where that's gonna be tested, I know. For some of you, it might be a, a real challenge for you to give because you're scared that something might happen. You might have enough. Give anyways. Give anyways. For some of you, you the temptation might be, well, I'm just going to go lay down in my bed and cuddle up with my blanket and just wait for the world to get better. It's not going to get better. It's not. You're like, I just want COVID to be over. And then boom, world war. It's not going to get better. So learn how to endure anyway. Some of you are like, oh, that's scary. I'm sorry to be the messenger. But here's our encouragement. Here's what the Holy Spirit wants you to know. You can rejoice in the midst of it. You're like, I don't know how to do that. The Holy Spirit will help you. Because you can rejoice in it because you know that it's going to produce what? Endurance. And that endurance is going to produce character. Now you're developing some spiritual muscle and maturity. And that character is going to bring about hope and hope that doesn't disappoint, but hope that rewards our faith. What does it say here? Hope that does not put us to shame because his love is being poured out into our hearts. Why is it that in the midst of his being persecuted and stoned and beaten and shipwrecked and eventually beheaded that Paul could say this because he knew the Lord? because he knew the hope that only comes from being in a relationship with Jesus. I'm wondering, do you know the Lord? Do you have that hope for yourself? 
do you, those of you watching or listening to this, do you know Jesus? Because only a relationship with Jesus is going to provide this hope. So we got to stand our ground. And here's the cool part, you guys, in case you haven't read the rest of Nehemiah. This is what we see happen in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. The wall gets finished. The work of God is completed. In fact, we see it here in, in verse 15. In 52 days, I've been to Jerusalem. This is amazing. In 52 days, the wall was finished. And, and, and when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us heard of it, they were afraid. They trembled and fell greatly in their own esteem for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God, you guys, God is going to help us. He's going to help you to persevere and to endure well, no matter what you go through. This is why we have to stand our ground and finish well. Nehemiah finished well. He stood his ground and the work of God was completed in as little as 52 days. Are you willing to stand where others are going to fall? Are you willing to stand where others are going to want to lay down and go to sleep? Are you willing to withstand and resist the work of the enemy in your life? We've got to be able to do this, church. And James tells us how. James 4, verse 7, says that you submit yourselves to God, you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He has no other choice but to flee from you when you actively resist, when you stand your ground. And we do this by first returning to the Lord, by submitting our lives to him, by rebuilding and refocusing on the areas that need to be renewed, and by resisting the work of the devil. Every time we know that he's going to flee. This is how we're going to fight and win our battles, church. I hope you're ready for that. So as a final encouragement to all of us today, I want you to hear this. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You keep standing and trust that God's going to crush Satan where? Under your feet. In other words, keep your feet on his neck. Keep your feet on his neck. He doesn't have the upper hand. Don't let anybody fool you into thinking that he has the upper hand. He doesn't. Trust that Jesus is going to crush Satan under your feet. Trust that he's going to take care of him. Oh, you guys, in case you haven't read the end of the book, he's got a nice little spot picked out for him in a lake burning with fire. Him and his angels have a destiny. Jesus is going to deal with him. We just need to stand. Come on, we need to be faithful. We need to endure well. And when we do, we're going to see victory in our lives. Amen? You receive that tonight? Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.